Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money Property. It's Glenn James here and I'm with John Pigeon. Hey, John, how are you? Good, Glenn. You? Not too bad. Before we get into it, shout out to our show partner, Sean Wellman uh, from Wellman Finance. Now, John, there's over 50 lenders in Australia, isn't there? There is. Now, it would be impossible for one person to know all 50. I think it'd be ridiculous if you did. Yes. But I guess what I'm getting at is a good broker would know what the conceptual options are. So, if you had a curly situation in the back of a good broker's mind, they might think, oh, there's that bloody lender out there. I reckon they would have a crack at this. Yeah. When you say good broker, you're usually referring to someone that's experienced, been around the traps, been doing it for a number of years and and knows pretty much every lender inside and out, the ones to deal with each situation because you've got so many different types of people out there wanting to go and get a loan, haven't you? I wouldn't expect one broker to know the intimate details of every single lender, but a good experienced broker would have the experience to know what the lay of the land is. I guess what I'm getting at is our property investment journey can rise or fall off the back of an experienced or inexperienced broker. Yeah, and also to go one step deeper, a lot of brokers just deal with owner-occupier purchases. So the lending landscape in that space is far different from investment lending. So that's where you need a specialist in in investment lending that also deals with owner-occupiers. So yeah, it's really specialised in that space. Yeah, so all that to say we have complete confidence in Wellman Finance Mm. and John uses Sean personally. Yeah. So if you are after a great experienced broker, don't hesitate to go to wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. And and I had a that was a pretty long plug for him, wasn't it? It was a long plug, <laughs> um, but nonetheless educational. Yeah, totally. And to go back to that um, point, I had a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago, which we would love to share today, and it's around joint venture uh, lending. So previously, or in most cases, a lot of lenders will, if you're doing, if you and I are doing a joint venture together, they'll take 50% of the ownership, but 100% of the debt. That's right. Right. But there's a maybe half a dozen, I think Sean mentioned, that will quarantine lenders him. that basically say, "Well, no, that's unfair. We'll take fifty percent of the ownership, but we'll only allocate fifty percent of the debt." So, translation to somebody who still might not understand, John and I see a five hundred thousand dollar property. We want to go into fifty fifty. Traditionally, I would own fifty percent. John would own 50%, yep. but we're both on the hook for 100% of the debt. Yeah, because you could do a runner on me and, and never see me again or you again. Yeah. And I'm I'm left with the debt and the bank never loses, so they, they want their money back and that's the way they've done it. Yeah. So Welly said, look, there are some lenders out there now who will do this. Yeah, let's get creative and, and see who they are and, and, and obviously – 
the issue might might not be with that purchase. Like you and I might get that transaction done and and fantastic, get on with our lives. The issue is for you and me, the next purchase, the, our servicing is shot. Yeah, because they're based it on Glenn having a hundred percent of the debt on the property that he only owns half of. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 value of that property's got to go up fifty percent to get back to level playing again. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So. So that's, Sean Wilman, there you go. He's a man. That's a freaking advertisement and a half, isn't it? It is. So look, today we're talking about buying the well, buying property and removing the emotion from it. Yeah, and, and removing emotion in general when buying anything, but specialized today with uh, with the investment property purchase or even owner occupied to a certain degree. Now knowing that when you buy your own home to live in, there's gotta be some emotion attached. We get that but realising that you still can have your investment wealth creation hat on when you're buying your own home as well. What is the first thing that one must do before they get out of bed and want to go looking for new property? I think they need to understand what type of person they are. So are they like me? I'm a numbers-based thinker, which revolves around a little bit of logic. I meet a lot of people that are simply emotion-based and I'll buy something at a drop of a hat and um, tomorrow wake up and realise, shit, what have I done? Yeah. Is there anyone in this room who's like that? Or uh, Well, I, I always sleep on my decisions. <laughs> 24 hours. Yeah, but a lot of the time, well, no, not all the time, but sometimes after that 24 hours, I, you know, cold shower, I know. Yeah. You're, you're a dickhead, what were you thinking? Um, yeah. But, well, it's funny, when it comes to like the property stuff, mm. when I, this house that we're sitting in here now, uh, the one down the front I went to auction for yeah, and I set my limit and I was not going one cent over. Yeah, and you walked away. Yeah, and the agent was in my, oh, it's only extra $1,000. Mm. I'm like, yeah, when does that end, mate? Like, That's right. So mm. I have I know that there's a home on every corner. Yeah. I know in my life I'm not held ransom by property or by anyone or anything. Yeah. yeah. But it's having that confidence to not get house fever. Yeah, so I think – Understanding who you are and what your personality traits are is really important first and foremost, knowing, well, are we logic-based with numbers or are we more geared towards emotion where we might make that rash decision? And if that's the case, we may need to potentially outsource the process. Yeah, okay. Now, another interesting thing when we're buying property, there's two, well, there's probably three categories of properties in there. I'll live in it. It's an investment property or maybe a holiday property? Yeah. The first and the third are usually- The same emotion? More emotion-based, yeah. yeah. And and to some extent, the holiday can be even more emotion because I go away and it's a, it's a getaway and it's uh, I love that place and I'll, I look forward to going there every year. Why don't I buy a property there? Because that sounds, sounds great. Got to look at, and, and this is one of my, I suppose, tips, is to, to remove emotion, give ourselves three reasons as to why we wouldn't do it. Yeah. So in the example of the holiday home, and I had someone the other day that wanted to go and buy one at um, Old Bar, uh, which is north coast New South Wales. Yeah. Fantastic little spot. West of Taree, isn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. So why wouldn't we go and buy a property there? So first thing we'd say is, well, is population growing at a rate of knots? Can I go there and get work? Well, basic answer is no. So this was for a holiday home? It was for a holiday home, yeah. But fundamentally, they want the property to go up in value. Well, it's not a holiday home then, it's an investment. Well, no, that's right. So 
what's the reason for going there? If we've, we're paying cash for it and we don't want it to go up in value. Yeah, and buy wherever you want. Away you go. But we're wanting to have our cake and eat it. So we're going to buy there and use it as a holiday home. The other part of why we might not do it is, well, when we go on holidays and stay in our own home, are we looking at the wall saying, gee, I need to paint this or do I need to fix everything when I'm there and not actually enjoy my holiday? Totally. And the third part of that is, well, I want to use it probably when I should be renting it out and maximizing my income on that. I'm going to go out on a limb and you could probably keep me accountable for my own life. I, I just don't think, to me, to purchase a holiday house is in the same category as toys-ish. Mm. Well, it and is. cash to for toys. I, I just, if the minute I'm going, I want a house up on the North Coast or the South Coast or whatever coast or dam or whatever, that wherever you live, that you're wanting to get a holiday house yeah. and have a mortgage and debt attached to it, yeah. that property has to be producing income so it stands up on its own. So by mm. default, it's now an investment property. And yeah. remember we did that episode on My Millennial Money about Airbnb. Yeah. I think you've got to run that criteria through it. So you're flicking the conversation to I'm buying an investment property yeah. which I will sublet out or short-term rentals. So the decision is then investment first. Yeah. By the way, I can use it on the off weekend. That's right. The only difference between that and a toy is most toys go down in value. Yes. This would like to think go up in value over time. Or stay the same. Although I, I almost challenge that as well because if you're paying cash for a, a holiday house, usually they're in suburbs or locations mm. where the growth curve over time could be like a sawtooth. Yeah. Up and down. Up. Like Gold Coast property. Mm. One minute it's the best in the world, one minute it's down the toilet. Mm. So mm. I think personally if you are strictly buying a holiday property, you have enough wealth to write a check. Yeah. You're not putting all your hopes and dreams for that to go up in value. No, and that that's, comes back to the point of, yeah, let's list three reasons as to why we wouldn't do something yeah. or why we wouldn't buy it because if emotion's controlling it, then those three reasons might help us um, mm. see a bit of ration or, or logic. Right. Yeah. So you've got some points here. Live in as a home or an investment property. We won't talk about hybrid properties or holiday homes going forward for this discussion, but the, the points that you've got here can we use those for both of these property options? Yeah, we can. Okay. Absolutely, we can. So the difference being, as I mentioned at the start, is is when it's investment property, there's less likely to have emotion involved in it because they're not going to be living in it, don't need to to worry about so much what it looks like. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. sweet. Um, but yeah, the emotion side of it can come into investing because people naturally might want to buy local or, or buy where they want to, where they think they want to live. Now I'm saying, well, let's remove that and open the discussions with a blank template yeah. and, and start from there. And it can be emotional because it's exciting, it's new. There's yeah. the thought of I'm going to make money. Mm. So yeah. first thing we must do. Yeah, so we've got to plan the process. So And, and I see it pretty common where people say, well, I've got a pre-approval. And then within a week of getting a pre-approval, they've bought something, found something on realestate.com, put in an offer, or went for a stroll one weekend, went to an auction, accidentally put their hand up, and all of a sudden they're homeowners right, as an investment property. And I've seen it actually happen that quick. So we've got to 
sit back and plan that process from start to finish. Now, obviously, yeah, that's finance, but understanding your cash flow management and having your buffers in your life and all those things that we talk about, but then saying, well, what does our property strategy look like? Mm. Um, And when I'm coaching clients, we look at eight points that we need to tick off on before we're allowed to go and look for property. What are some other gems of gold? When I mentioned the start about understand what type of person you are, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. So understanding what you can spend, what the yields need to be or want to be for your situation um, and, and not deviating too far from that. Um, because on, on something like realestate.com or domain, you can get caught up from starting at 300000 and end up at 600000 because it all looks newer and glossier and larger and, and uh, more appealing. So understanding do the numbers work for your situation, that also helps remove the emotion from, from that transaction. Now, having a price ceiling, how important is that for either the home or the investment property? Yeah, I think it's extremely important. Now, usually the price ceiling starts when the lenders say, this is how much we can lend you, which means add that to our deposit and that says, well, I can afford 500000 or the banks will lend me 500000 Does that mean you can afford that? No, it doesn't. It's just the bank's assessment of your life. Yeah, so, because it's interesting as well because you you can go to the bank and they say, oh, John, you can borrow 800 k because yeah. you want to buy an investment property, right? It's important that should not be your price ceiling mm-hmm. because going back to the strategy and the process, it might be more opportune to buy two $400,000 purchases as an investment in different locations. Mm. So your price ceiling for each property might be 400K. That's right. Because the other thing is, generically speaking, as the price increases, the yield reduces, right? And that tipping point in today's markets are probably around about 600K. Yeah. When you start to go too much higher above that, the yields drop off quite considerably. So I shouldn't have spent 700k on that investment property. <laughs> <laughs> Yours was out, out of the box, yeah. not, the, <laughs> not the norm. Um, yeah, so having that price ceiling more applicable when you're at auction. Mm. Yeah, so like you mentioned, not $1,000 more, I've got my ceiling and I'll walk away because you don't know how far it's going to take you. So and you might get caught the out. Ocean. Yeah, very much caught out. Because if it unravels mm. and you get caught out, you could walk away with something that you can't afford. Yeah, 100%. And I went to an auction with a client the other day and I was acting on their behalf and and they openly said, like, we stopped at our ceiling and the property sold for, I think it was like $5,000 more, Um, but it was a $1.8 million property. So it was quite high, right? Mm. So $5,000 in the whole scheme of things was not much, but he openly admitted I would have kept going if... That's you it, weren't there. Hindsight's fantastic. Yeah. Like, yeah, five thousand dollars more it sold for. Yeah. But what if that person wanted it more than you and had unlimited cash? That's right. You, yeah. And they could have then stopped at their ceiling of two million, mm. and you're left holding the bag. And that's why the vendors and the and the agents love the auction process is because emotion kicks in. It's like an adrenaline to the finish line. Absolutely. Um, and and even worse, I think as a as a strategy for home buyers is the um, highest bid, but it's silent. So put it in an envelope and hand it in by five o'clock 
today, you wouldn't know how many offers are out there. Totally. At least at an auction, you know your competition. Yeah. For those in Melbourne, mm. they say the word buyer's advocate. Yes. Where in, a, well, in New South Wales, we use agent. Agent. Buyer's yeah. agent. So mm. what are some, and you're, you do work as a buyer's advocate yourself. Mm. What are the key advantages um, and should you just get somebody like your uncle or someone to go and do that work for you or is it yeah, what you pay for? Pay for a freaking professional. They know what they're looking for. They know what they're talking about. Talk yeah. to us about BAs. Yeah, yeah and, and this isn't isn't a plug for my own buyer's agency. But yeah, whatever, make it a plug. No, nah. <laughs> I think you've got to have someone in your corner that knows what they're doing. They know the suburb they've they've done the research but they're coming in without emotion that that's number one um number two is that they maybe i'd access properties that you couldn't because they've they've got some relationships yeah yep, so they they know the law of the land um and and then it's also it's also imperative that the buyer's agent is the right personality fit for the client right they've got to be able to relate to each other and understand what the client actually needs and not go and act on their behalf thinking that's what they'd want but it's not what the client wants yeah and it's funny like the whole ba world right and i think it goes to your point personality like so if you are in Melbourne mm. and you want a buyer's advocate who's a young lady who's switched on a powerful, yeah. you would use Emily Wallace. She's yeah. a good friend of the show and mm. myself personally. But on her Instagram, sometimes because in this ecosystem, they're around agents. So she'll put up as a story, hey, I've got a buyer who's after a three better, bloody this, that. Yeah. What if there's an agent who's just talked to somebody thinking about listing? Yeah there's a chance that that BA can get you into a place before it goes on market. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. it's just they are in that ecosystem yeah. and it could be worth 15 grand to pay their fee. I don't even know how much they cost, but mm. to pay their fee because you've got into a property before it's gone on market and it may have saved 50 to 100 grand. For sure, yeah. And, and, and I've got an agent at the moment in a certain location around the country that is sending me properties knowing that I haven't told him that I've got a client specifically for those properties, but he knows I've got clients and he knows I've got clients that want to buy property. And if it's a good opportunity that comes across my desk, I'll tell my clients about it. And what's good for the geese is good for the gander. Like mm. the agent gets the sale, it's smooth and it's fast. Mm. The vendor gets the sale, it's smooth and it's fast. Yep. And the end purchaser gets yeah. a sale. It's a quick or transaction. A purchase. Yeah. yeah, everyone's happy. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so shout out to all the BAs out there. And I don't know if I was allowed to mention Emily Wallace, but well, um, I just did. So did. She's a new sponsor of the show now, is she? Yeah, or? <laughs> yeah. yeah we got a lot. Send her the invoice. Send her the invoice, but um, shout out. Yeah, so if you are emotion-based and you know it, um, then, yeah, a, a buyer's agent may be a, a good option for you, um, whether it's for your own home to live in or an investment, doesn't really matter. So what about our timelines? Yeah, so you mean like time horizons? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're a bloody dickhead. <laughs> we just edited out a whole heap of stuff because he didn't want me to use the word horizon, but yes, yeah, our timeline. So, okay, so again, a common mistake I see is people thinking short-term, not long-term. And I had a conversation this morning with a, a lady who is wanting to buy, but in the next three to five years, she said, look, 
I'm going to start a family, right? So have we thought about that from a financial perspective for buying that property now? Well, no, I haven't. Okay, but it's a goal of yours, so we should be factoring that in. So looking 8, 10, 15 years time, if you can. Now, whilst we don't know exactly what's going to happen in our life, we can forecast certain parts of it. So looking far ahead and then bringing it back to this next um, play is really important. Yeah. And I think, you know, while we were talking and we'll we'll wrap this episode up so you can get on with your day, people, but um, I, I was almost thinking like I wrote down this question, can we have emotion though? Mm. And I think absolutely. Yeah. Like more so if you are like you've got to live in your house. Like we're doing this episode from my living room. Mm. I actually like this place. Okay. Yeah. Now, but I think it's important to have those checks in place so your emotion doesn't run wild. Yeah. And an example, that, it's funny, like everyone talks about, oh, this is my forever home. They don't exist. Mm. I don't think we should go into a situation with this is my forever home because life changes. Yeah. Now, when I purchase my properties, I purchase with the intention that I'm never selling. Yeah. But I don't know what the future holds. Things change. Now, yeah. If someone walked past and a developer were like, oh, we want to buy this and we'll give mm. you double the price, mm. I'm selling it all day long. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, I, sure. I just think with our emotion, the only emotion I would say to use would be like when you're buying the house to live in, don't have it as a, oh, yes, we could live here for the next 30 years. Mm. Have it like, oh, do we vibe this place? Like go and sit on the back freaking lawn. Yeah. Lay on the back lawn. Have a listen to the suburb. Have a listen to the surroundings. Yeah. And, Can you and see yourself rocking up home to this? That's right. So if you're living in it, different conversations slightly, but um, what your template is on life is not maybe the general population either. So what you like about something might not be the common um, feeling in, in a particular because suburb. I think, you know, how to remove the emotion from the buying process. I think it like we've all got emotions. Not all emotions are bad. Mm. Like anger is an emotion. Yes. But happiness is as well. So I don't know where I'm going with this, but are you vibing what I'm putting down, John? Well, you can choose which emotion you want yeah. to use at any one time. That's right. So uh, it's a choice. But I think the emotion thing is don't get swept up and taken away mm. by the nice new house let's step back and get some third party and i think the important thing is three reasons write it down your notes on your phone on paper yeah think of three reasons why you shouldn't buy this place yeah yeah and if that still comes up as a it's still a green light then cool but you haven't gone in solely with confirmation bias thinking yeah, this is a no-brainer without thinking as to what might be a negative towards it totally um, but and this whole property journey we want you to be trying to do this yourself right and the only way you're going to be able to do this yourself is to understand the type of person you are the type of personality you are to, and then educate yourself to to not have to uh, go external to to get yourself a transaction to be able to um, not have to use a buyer's agent and go and find it yourself but early on in the journey you might need to ride on the shoulder of of an expert like that to to get that um, experience. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.